Well, good morning. Good to see you all. The crowd grew uh, from the time that I sat down, and now that I'm turning around and looking out at you, so it's, it's, it's really so good to see all of your faces. I'm so glad that you're here. Uh, I wanted to give a challenge, not to you because you're here, but uh, you know we do live stream, and, and I know that that's a good and necessary thing, uh, especially for those who, who aren't able to be here for whatever reason, whether it's immune compromise or just you know they're providentially hindered in some way and, and they're homebound. But for everyone else, I want to encourage you uh, to, you know, for those who, who watch the live stream, if you're out and about traveling, that's fine, but if you're here home base, um, let's not forsake uh, the, the gathered assembly. And, and this is something that I know for me, I can speak from my own experiences uh, in light of what the Word tells us. I love gathering on Sundays. I love spending the morning with you just having conversation and catching up and having fellowship, singing praises together, praying together, listening to the Word read, uh, and, and then rightly divided. I just I love uh, everything about that, and I love being a part of that. And so I, I just want to throw that out as an encouragement. Let's not forsake that. Let's continue to press in on that area of our lives and be a part of that uh, so that we can maintain good health and unity as a body. Uh, so, uh, with all of that said, uh, I want to just say welcome. I'm glad that you're here. If you are a visitor, then what a great Sunday for you to be here and, and to be able to take part in worship with us. Uh, so, my name is Brandon and I am one of the pastor elders here, I get the opportunity to, to speak and, and, and share God's Word from, from time to time. And as I have said so many times before, that to me is something I always consider to be a joy and an honor, to just to be able to stand up and, and preach the Word of God to you. And uh, with that being said, I want you to know though that I'm, I'm, just, I'm just a guy. I'm just a, a simple man and I, I don't ever... And, and the same is true for for JT or for Denny for, or for anyone else who stands up here and expounds upon the Word of God, I want you to know first and foremost that, that we're just men and we're speaking from our understanding, hopefully right and, and proper understanding of Scripture, but take the things that we say. Don't just automatically take them in. Make sure that they line up with the truth of what Scripture says. Hold us accountable to that as well. So with that in mind, I want you guys to... It's, It'll take us a couple of minutes to get there, but go ahead and turn or scroll in your Bibles, if you will, to uh, the book of Psalm. So just go to about the middle of your Bible, Psalm chapter 78, and we're going to be in verses 1 through 8. Psalm 78, 1 through 8, ask you just to keep your place there for just a little bit uh, as I just lay out a little bit of groundwork to, to share where we've been. We're in this series on Christ-centered family, our gospel-centered family, and, you know, over the past two weeks or, or more, we've really unpacked and seen uh, a lot. Even just like, say, in the last two weeks in Ephesians 5, we've, we've seen what it looks like, what, what the main purpose, I believe, marriage is, and that is to display this covenant-keeping love between Christ and His church. Right? Is that something that we, I think we've gotten for sure from the last two weeks? We've, we've gone down deep, we've dug in and we've seen practical ways that we should apply those things to our lives as men and women. If you want to go back weeks further, we've talked about what does it look like to be a godly man, a godly woman? What does it look like to be a Christ-centered, uh, gospel-focused husband and wife? And so now, from all of that, we're seeing that we, we have really this main purpose, I think, in marriage, and that is to display the covenant-keeping love between Christ and His church. And so, in other words, marriage was designed by God, most importantly, to be a picture of the way that Christ loves His church and the way that we as the church love and follow Christ. And that's why I think you can go all the way back to Genesis, which we've done in this series. Genesis chapter 2, verse 24, we see where it says pretty clearly that man should leave his father and his mother and he should hold fast to his wife and they shall become one flesh. So we see two units becoming one and we see this picture of unity and dependency and, and complementarity where we, 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 we function 
in so many beautiful ways together based on the, the gifts and the strengths and the abilities, the desires that God has placed within us. But I don't think that's the only purpose in marriage. That is, hear me, the primary purpose, I believe, is, to, is we see that in, in Ephesians 5 where we've been, is, is to reflect or to portray this covenant-keeping love between Christ and His church. But the second purpose, I think, is a little bit more uh, tangible or, or specific, if you will. And I think it's pretty simple. I think it is to have children. Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. We're told at least seven times in the book of Genesis to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. But the thing is, is do you think that it's just as simple as reproducing and having offspring and filling the earth and increasing the population with just more and more people? Just, just average, everyday people that, that don't desire to honor God with their lives, don't desire to follow after Christ as His disciple... Obviously, no. No, we're, we, we are called by God in this, this command to be fruitful and to multiply to increase the number of followers of Jesus on the planet. And, and I can expand it even further. Really, understand, big picture, the, the whole purpose is for us to glorify in the Lord. That's why we were created, right? to enjoy God and, and to glorify Him, to make much of the name of our Creator, our Lord. So it's not as simple as just have a bunch of babies. It's what we'll see in this passage is bring up your children in the ways of the Lord. Make them to be disciples of Jesus. So I'll let the cat out of the bag a little early. That's, gonna, that's the, the purpose. That's the point. We're talking about you know, gospel-centered, Christ-centered parenting. That's the end goal, is, is to teach and train, bring them up to follow after the Lord, to bring glory to our Father. But let me ask the question anyways, because I want you to just really kind of stop and think about it for a second, if you will. Because I don't know that I had ever really fully, in these terms that I'm about to share with you, I don't know that I ever really fully thought it out in this manner. And it's a really simple question, and that is, what is the goal of parenting? What's, what's the desired outcome? What's the purpose? What is the goal in parenting? And so I thought about that, and I thought, well, you know, is it, is it for us to just prepare well-rounded citizens to go out into the world and to be able to contribute to the world? Uh, I think that's, that's a good thing. That's important. Or maybe it is to just provide our kids with a good education so they can go on to get into a good college, get a good degree, and get a well-paying job so that they can have everything that they want and need in their lives as adults. Or maybe it's to provide them just with virtually every opportunity that they want so that they could just have a happy childhood and have fond memories of their upbringing. I don't think any of these things necessarily in, in and of themselves are bad, but would we think that any of those would be the goal of raising children today? We'll find, I think, our answer in this passage in, in the book of Psalm, chapter 78. But uh, one thing I, before we get there that I want us to know is that parenting, if, if you're a parent, or and listen, Hear me, church, even if you're not yet a parent, but you have that hopeful desire and plan to be parents, I want you to know these words absolutely apply to you. Take the things that you hear today and plan ahead, if you will. Plans that, that I don't know that my wife and I were, were really all that successful. Like, don't, don't learn in the midst of it. That's going to happen some, but, but take the things that you hear in this series and start to implement and practice those things in your lives now. And I promise you it will be so much easier. It will be so much more God-honoring. There will be so much more fruit that comes from that. But know this, that, that parenting is, is difficult work. Right? It's busy. It's demanding. 
It's tiring. It's messy. Right? We've got a lot, a lot of new parents uh, in, in our church, and you can probably attest to that. It's all of these things. And, and oftentimes it's thankless as well. We don't receive thanks from our children. And it's continuous. It never stops. I think even those of you who are here that have kids that are grown and out of the house, would you attest that, I mean, it doesn't even stop then. You continue to parent and to, to think and, dare I say, even at times worry. I know that that's true with my own relationship with my parents, and I've been out of the house for quite some time now, but still, like, it, it doesn't stop. It's continuous. But even with all of these realities, I think we need to remember something and regardless of whether, as I said, if you don't have kids yet, or you have little ones, or you have teenagers, or, or kids that are grown and out of the house, I think all of these things are, are realities for us to, to remember and apply. Parenting is supremely rewarding and a joy. It is a joy. It is easily the, the best yet most difficult thing that I've ever done. And in all of that that I just laid out for you, I'm still going to stand up here and tell you that parenting is supremely rewarding and it is a joy. Psalm 127 verse 3 says that children are a heritage from the Lord. That they are like arrows in the hand of a warrior. And blessed is the man who fills his quiver full with them. So we need to see them as a gift, as something that we are blessed with to, to use in the, the life to come. So before I outline, I think, all of the duties uh, of parents toward their children, I want to point out something very important. And listen, as much as I want to really, really emphasize the importance of having and rearing children up in the ways of the Lord. I want to stress this first and foremost. Hear me. Our children are not our highest value. Our children are not our highest value. Our highest value is always and forever Christ. Christ is of supreme value always. And why is that? We have to know this and practice this because this thing that I'm going to press us on to, to pass on to our children, it has to be first in our own hearts. Right? If we don't have a faith that we own, that is our own, that we live out, that we know, a faith that is practiced, how can we instill those things into our children? We, we can't. We can't sufficiently train and even properly discipline our children in the Lord unless we first learn how to govern our own lives by the truth of His Word. If you're not spiritually disciplined as a parent, then how can you ever expect your children to be? So the character of Christian parents is vital because that is the character that should be reproduced in your children. Let me say that again. The character of you, me, as a Christian parent is vital because that is the Christian character that ought to be reproduced in your children. Because if they don't learn that from you, where are they going to learn it? And is it even going to be the thing that they ought to learn? What are they going to learn? So I'm, I'm pressing heavy on, on parents and, and this also, as I said, applies to future parents. Know this. This is how we ought to see this. That's our first and highest value, which is Christ in our own lives. Our second highest value I want to share after Christ in the context of parenting isn't even our kids. It's our marriage. Our marriage must take precedence over our parenting. It has to take priority over our children. And we have to be fully united. If, if, if we're not fully united in this act of parenting through the context of marriage, then we're not going to be united as one flesh as it says in Genesis. So understand that you first and foremost are a child of God. Right? That's top number one priority. Live that out faithfully. 
fully devoted unto Him. Second is, you are a faithful, committed spouse. Give your all to your marriage in the Lord. And then third, be a loving and dedicated parent. Otherwise, your marriage and your parenting and probably your own faith in the Lord is going to suffer as a result. If your bond with your spouse isn't stronger than your bond with your children, then I want you to consider for a moment, when your kids are grown and out of the house, what kind of condition do you think your marriage is going to be in? Right? If you've given everything that you have to your kids, and whether intentionally or unintentionally, you've forsaken your marriage, then when the day comes, because we see this in the church, folks, people that I know personally who have given everything they have to being spectacular parents, and praise God for that, but when their kids were grown and out of the house, they didn't know how to be married because they had forsaken their marriage. So, I'm telling you, highest value in your, in your life and in parenting is Christ. Second highest value is your marriage, and then it's your children. Understand, church, that if, if you are in Christ and you have children, and this, without question, this applies to you. And even if you don't have children, but as I've said, you're planning for the future for that. I'm having conversations with younger guys in our church right now who are being challenged by this series to make their marriages stronger. And then, not only that, but to see the, the need and the call and the desire to have children, to follow the commands that we see in Scripture, and to, to train and raise up God-loving, God-fearing children who can, who can reproduce that, which is exactly what we're going to see in the text when we get there in a moment, but this unquestionably applies to us. There's no, there's no way around it. We have to be grounded in the faith because we've been commanded to bring our children up in the instruction and discipline of the Lord. And that's why this responsibility of parenting is an incredibly important one. But why? Let's look at Psalm chapter 78, verses 1 through 8. And quickly I'll share with you, I mean, I think we're going to see the goal of parenting in this passage. To give you a little bit of quick uh, context of what's happening in this passage, in this chapter. This is what's called a, a historical psalm or a historical song. And so it's, it's pulling up history from Israel's past and it's reminding the children of Israel of the ways that God has walked through so many chapters with them who, who, has, who has performed so many wondrous, mighty works. And He's persevered with them. He's persevered them along and, and He has cleansed them by removing unbelievers along the way. And He's put up with their disbelief and their disobedience along the way. And I think the psalm's purpose is, as we'll see, for future generations of God's people to take the lessons that are in that to heart. Specifically, that they would not be an unbelieving and rebellious people like the generations before them, and that they would break the cycle of disbelief and disobedience. So let's read Psalm chapter 78, verses 1 through 8. Give ear, O my people, to my teaching. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in parable. I will utter dark sayings from of old. Things that we have heard and known that our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from their children, but tell them to the coming generation. The glorious deeds of the Lord and His might and the wonders that He has done. He established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel which He commanded our fathers to teach their children that the next generation might know them, the children yet unborn. And arise and tell them to their children 
so that they should set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep His commandments. And that they should not be like their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation whose heart was not steadfast, whose spirit was not faithful to God. Let me pray. Father God, we, we just come to You now. The midpoint of, of, of our gathering together, Lord, and as we look at Your Word, I pray, Father, that You would, you would open up our hearts and minds to, to receive what it has for us, that we would take these truths in and allow them to take root in our hearts, Lord, and that we would seek to carry these things out and, and to, to practice these things in our lives. Father, as I share, just keep me, Lord, hidden behind the cross of Christ that above all, I would make much of Jesus and that He would be honored in, in all that is said and done here this morning, Father. So just come and, and grant us Your Holy Spirit to do a work in our hearts and move amongst us, Lord. To teach us and, and to, to convict us where necessary, Lord, that we would desire to make the necessary changes to, to follow after the commands that You've given us in Your Word, Lord. And not out of necessarily even a sense of duty, Lord, but out of a sense of desire. We just, we love you and we trust you so much that we have such a great desire to follow after you. Father, I ask all this in the name of Christ, for his glory. Amen. So this psalm starts out with a call to listen carefully and intently. Saying, listen to all of these glorious deeds of the Lord so that the next generation can know them. Don't forget these things that happened, the way that God worked and moved, so that you won't be like your forefathers, which were a stubborn and rebellious generation. You see, the, the people of God, the, the Israelites, had received the revelation of God's law and God's covenant. And, and this carries over into us today. And, and, and therefore, we have the responsibility to teach that to our children so that the next generation will know, so that the, the line isn't cut off. We see all throughout the Old Testament this, this happening where it talks about how Israel forgot about the Lord or, or they, they, for, they, they forsook the commands of the, the Lord. They forgot. And in one generation, you see the fallout and the destruction that comes as a result of that because of their lack of commitment and devotion unto the Lord, and they, they forgot these things. And I think, sadly, in a lot of ways, that, that's kind of reflective of, of what we're seeing today. Unfortunately, many generations of Israelites were, they were recipients of the, the covenant, which is good, but they didn't embrace it in their hearts. And as a result, they, they became stubborn and rebellious and became wayward and they weren't faithful to God, whether that was in an act of abandonment of belief or just unbelief, where they just completely gave it up. But if God's people will, will take to heart the words of this psalm, then I, I think, as I said, this, that cycle of unbelief can be broken. And we can see in the ways that culture is seeping in more and more into the church and into our lives and into our homes and it's affecting the way that we do things. And it's, it's I think, causing us to drift slowly further and further away from what God's intent is for us. Not just as individuals, not just as the church, but as, as the church, capital C, universal, all of us. We're drifting further and further away. And we see that as, it, as culture seeps further and further in, into the church. That's a whole other sermon though, so we won't go into that. Some things I want us to see really clearly from this passage though. In verse 5, it says that He established a testimony in Jacob and He appointed a law in Israel which He commanded our fathers, this part, to teach their children. There has to be this passing on from parents to children. God commanded the fathers that they should teach their children. And this isn't just saying that fathers solely are responsible for this job. I think we've seen in weeks past, we know that. Mothers just as much. 
aunts, uncles, spiritual parents, which we'll hear more about next week, all of these were, were responsible for passing this on. But specifically, this relationship between parents and children, it was designed by God for the primary means of transmitting these truths on so that the cycle doesn't get broken and the truth can be passed on from generation to generation. So that's the first thing, is that there has to be this passing on. But what is the content of that passing on? Back up one verse to verse 4. We will not hide them from their children, but tell to the coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord and His might and the wonders that He has done. The reality of God and who He is, His character, His nature, the truth of His Word, all of the works that He has performed throughout history. Because you understand, church, we are, we are involved, we are in the midst of redemptive history. God's still very much at work in the lives of His church, His people. So the reality of God is the most important treasure, the most important legacy that we can pass on to our children. So whether you have children in the home, out of the home, not yet in the home, know this. This is the very most important thing that you can pass on, that you can instill into their lives. We need to be the ones to teach our children God's Word and His strength, His work of redemption in our life, and here in a moment, I'm going to share some really practical ways that I think that we can do that. But know this, when we, when we show and teach and tell our children of, about this awesome God that we have from Scripture who is alive, who is very much alive and at work in our lives, we are practicing biblical parenting. That is God-honoring, gospel-centered parenting. It's not someone else's responsibility. I could go off on a tangent, which I won't, but like I've heard so many times individuals say that, you know, I send my kids off to, you know, to, to, to Sunday school and, and to, to youth group, and like they're responsible for teaching. Like, let them be the ones that instill the, the Word of God in, into the, the life of my child. No. I mean, the, there are times and places for that, absolutely, but no, as parents, that first and foremost is your responsibility. And then the goal, as we've already touched on, the goal of this passing on of this truth is so that we can have children and generations to come who place their confidence in the Lord and who live a life that honors the Lord, that brings glory to the name of the Lord. Because that's what we're created for. To glory in God. To make much of His name. Right? And it's not because God was lacking something or He was insufficient or He was just lonely or He was just so desirous of attention and affection. No. It's because God is infinitely holy and is infinitely worthy of praise and glory and honor. And in His infinite wisdom, He saw fit to create a creature in His own image, like in His likeness, to give Him that praise and glory and honor. And in no way is that a bad or a selfish thing. <clears throat> Go back to verse 7, if you will. Here's where I think we see the goal pretty clearly. So that they should set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep His commandments. So that they would put their entire confidence in the Lord. And understand, the purpose isn't just to instill biblical knowledge into their heads. That's not enough. That's good, but it, it's just not enough. I mean, even in, in the life of my own child, if, if, if you remember, if you were there, just not many weeks ago, as I baptized her and I shared with you 
that when she was little, we walked through what it meant to be a child of God, what it meant to be saved by Christ, talked about the truth of sin in her life and the need for a Savior, which applies to absolutely every person ever created on the planet, right? That we are, we are innately, inherently sinful beings and we are in desperate need of a, of a righteous Savior who can save. I laid all of that out to my daughter who was five, six, six at the time. And I thought she got it. Right? And I, I raised her up in that. And I still thought that she had it. And then she comes to me and, and you know, we had conversations throughout over the years where she's like, Dad, I just don't know. We'd walk through that and we'd talk and we'd pray and she'd be good. And then at the end of last year, she came to me and I'm like, she's like, Dad, I'm, I just know. I just know. I've got, I've got the knowledge. I understand. You've, you've taught me these things. You've lived these things out in front of me. I understand. But I just, I don't feel like it's mine. I don't feel like it's, it's planted in my heart. And so we can't just put biblical knowledge in their heads and have well-behaved kids who on, on the outward surface appearance uh, appear to, to love the Lord, but inside there's no change. Now the purpose is that they would have confidence in their hearts, that they would worship the Lord, that they would pass that on to future generations. I think we should all hope to leave such a legacy behind that our children and our grandchildren and our great-grandchildren are living and walking out in faith in Christ because of the inheritance, the spiritual inheritance that we passed on, that we instilled in our own children. So what does that look like? How do you think we can do that? There's an awful lot that could be said really on this whole entire topic and like maybe we're just kind of scratching the surface. But this is the thing that I wanted you to take away more than anything was this, this need and, and, and strong desire to, to, to lead out spiritually in the lives of your children. We could talk about how do you discipline them? How do you, you, know, how do you train them to do... I mean, we could really get off in the weeds and talk about a lot of things. But let me give you a, a, just a couple of things that, that I want you to see on how we can, we can flesh these things out that we're seeing here in this, in this passage. The first one is, be a faithful Christian in front of your children. This is probably the simplest and most foundational reminder that I could possibly offer to Christian parents is simply be faithful in your faith, in your walk in front of your children. Live out what you speak. Practice what you preach. Praise the Lord in front of them openly. Let them see you forgive others in the same way that you've been forgiven. Right? There's times where Cassie and I have maybe had it out a little bit, right? And, and things get a little heated, and, and we have to come back to our children and say, hey, listen, the things that we said, you know, understand we shouldn't have said that. And I couldn't tell you the number of times that I've gone to my own children where in the heat of the moment, I got frustrated and, and raised my voice or said something that I shouldn't have said and I have to come to them and say, hey, listen, I shouldn't have said that. I was wrong. Please forgive me. I didn't mean to say that in, in that fashion. I didn't mean to raise my voice at you. I, I got frustrated. And that, like I made the mistake. The error is in me. Let them see you living that out in front of them. You're, you're teaching them. You're, you're passing that on to them. You're reproducing this action in them. And it's not just an act of, of reflection or mimicking. right? It's not just simply do what I do. But understand why I do it. 
So practice these things out in front of your children. Pray for your children. Pray in front of your children. Pray with your children. One of the things that I'm a pretty big stickler on in our house is that I want us to eat dinner at the table. And because it's in those moments that we share what's gone on in our day, we always have to share something that we're thankful for. If there's something that we feel like God is doing at work in our lives, whether in the positive or the negative, not that God carries out any negative work in our lives, but like if, if we're experiencing frustration or, or struggle, whatever it is, your wins and your losses, it all comes to the table and we talk about those things and we pray together. So be faithful in, in your life in front of your children because I promise you, I promise they're watching and they're learning everything that you do, good and bad. So be faithful in, in your Christian faith in front of your children. Practice it out. Second is impress Scripture onto their hearts and minds. The Israelites taught their children God's Word from a very early age. And in, you don't have to turn there. I'm going to read it, but you'll probably be familiar with it because it's a pretty popular passage of Scripture. It's in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4-9. through nine. It's called the Shema. And it was something that the Israelites held to with a great deal of devotion, a great deal of seriousness. And it says this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. You shall love the Lord God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. And then this is the part that I want you to pay close attention to because they believed this with such fierce tenacity, and practice it out literally. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and you shall have them as frontlets between your eyes and you shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. Understand, they literally did those things. They would have little phylacteries that they would put. I don't know how you put it on your head and not be distracted by that all day long. But a wrist, like, oh, I could probably get down with that. But they would put God's Word in that box. They would write it above the doors of their house. They, you understand, that this is full immersion. This is living out the Word of God in every aspect of their lives. Teaching it to their children so that they don't Lose it so that they can live a life committed to the Lord and pass that on in an act of reproducing the next generation and the next generation. Because if you miss one, then the whole line can be broken. And, and don't hear me say what I'm not saying in that, like, that, that that just derails God's plans and His intent. God is sovereign, right? His plans will always be carried out to the fullest. But just know that those plans include us to teach and train our children up in this way. So be intentional to bring God's truth to bear in your conversations. Like I said, in, in, in your difficulties, in your discouragements, whether it's in, you know, at work or even to some extent, like don't air it all out for your kids, but in, in your marriage, let them see you working through these things. Talk about these things in front of them to a degree. All your wins and losses, like just let them see some of that. But the kicker is, is this. this. This requires for you, because in those moments, in those conversations, questions are going to be asked. So this requires you to know the, the Word of God. All right, if you're applying this to your life and you're living it out and you're answering these questions, having these conversations, then you have to be able to have the Word of God hidden in your own heart and, and Picking it up daily and reading it and learning from it and applying it to your own life so that you can impart it on to those who have been entrusted to you. So study the Scriptures for yourself so that you can teach them 
to your children all of the timeless and relevant and sufficient truths that it holds. And listen, if, if you've never done that before, if you, don't, if you feel like, I don't even know where to start, Brandon. I don't, like, I, don't, I don't know how to study the Word of God. I don't know how to study the Scriptures in that way. To where I can pull these things out of the Scripture and apply them to my own life. And then not only that, but to also go on and to share them with others. I don't know how to do that. There's, there's no shame whatsoever in that. I want you to know. And so, if you feel like that's you for whatever reason, come and, and speak to me or to JT or to Denny. We would absolutely love to have those conversations with you, to walk through that with you, and to, and to give you some, some guidelines to follow. I'm, listen, I'm, I'm most certainly going to try to plug you into a life group and discipleship if you're not there. Because that's where you're going to be able to have those conversations and to, to, take these, to be given these tools to rightly divide the Word of God and apply them to your own life. You're given these tools and put it in your toolbox. Like That's where it happens. Life group, discipleship groups, where you're, you're talking about this faith that we get from this book and you're applying it to your lives. Like that's, that's where the rubber meets the road. And so I'm going to push you into that. Don't let that deter you coming up and, and, and letting us know. Have this conversation. And then just know that in all of this, growth takes time, right? Haven't you seen that in your own life? As you've grown and matured in the faith, like Brandon 10 years ago, man, what a knucklehead. You know, but, but through the grace of God and and living in His Word and, and applying that to my life with the help of other senior saints who have walked me through and have pointed out my blind spots, areas of sin that I didn't know that I had in my life. I God humbling me through that process and growing me in my likeness to Christ. It's all only by the grace of God that those things happened. But I can tell you as a testimony of my own life, they happened. But it takes time. The same is truth for, for our children. It's not going to happen overnight, but with committed prayer, committed work, loving discipleship. Disci- Do you understand, parents? Like, just let's, you have to disciple your children in the same way that we're discipling one another in the church. Asking that God will do a supernatural work in the souls and lives of, of our children that He's entrusted to us. May He use our committed work as parents, as parents, Pray for our kids and as we we teach and train them every day, He would bless our efforts in leading our households. And this is where we've spent time in biblical manhood and and, and gospel-centered husbands, but like I'm I'm putting the onus hard on you men. Like to lead your families, to lead your household in family worship and in Bible study and I'm, I'm putting that on you in the same way that I, I put it on myself. And my wife puts it on me. Right? In the times where I get so distracted by the things of life that are going on, and I'll go three, four, five days without closing the day out with my wife and I praying with one another. Like I'm not leading out well in that area. And she calls me on it. And I'm thankful that she does. So husbands... Lead out in this way. Wives, moms, understand that doesn't, that doesn't let you off the hook. Right? Responsibility is still there. Just remember, it takes time. Allow it to grow. Nurture it. Don't grow weary in doing good. And then lastly, I'll share with you what I think will happen if we fail to parent in this way. We see it, I think, pretty clearly from this passage of Scripture. Or at least it's hinted at. And if you know any of the history of, of Israel, the children of Israel in the Old Testament, then, then you, you see it play out in their existence. But I think specifically for us today, what, what will happen if we fail to parent in this way, to pass on this spiritual heritage to our children and our grandchildren and so forth? 
I think when we do this, our, our understanding of God's Word changes. We're not, we're not believing it enough to practice it for whatever reason. And, and once we do that, I, I think that our understanding of His Word changes. And once that changes, then we cease to be guided by it, at least fully. Right? Are you following me? That, that when, we, when we don't carry these things out, then we cease to see God's Word as fully authoritative and we're, we're, not, we're not being guided by it. And when that happens... We, we slowly allow, as I've already said, the, the culture to come in and to influence our thinking. And all of a sudden, the Bible is no longer fully sufficient and clear, authoritative, and necessary. And then from there, we're, we're less likely to feel the need to believe and obey everything that's written in it. And we embrace more and more sin and we start to look more and more like the world and less like Christ. And we lose our influence, our Christian influence on the world around us. And we find our land under divine judgment. That's what we see happen to Israel. And I think, if we're honest, that's a little bit of what we're seeing today in our culture. That we've forsaken our responsibility. I'm going to start with it being in our own personal lives, but then also in our homes. We've forsaken that responsibility. And as a result, and JT alluded to a good deal of this last week when he shared statistics of like when, when the father steps back or disappears or isn't in the picture, the fallout that comes from that. That's, I think, the very same conversation that I'm trying to share with you right now. When we shirk those responsibilities, when we forsake what we're called to as children of God in our families. And we don't raise up future generations in the truth of His Word, then we find ourselves exactly where we are today. So let me, let me close out with this. Going back to Psalm 78. It says that God established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which He commanded our fathers to teach to their children so that the next generation might know them and arise and tell them to their children, so that they should set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep His commandments. So specifically for our parents, are you doing this? Because there's, there's an awful lot riding on the line. And for, for those who aren't parents yet, but as I said, still plan for that. Make sure that, that this is your starting point. And for parents who have kids who are out of the house, still, your, your work isn't done, right? Whether you're discipling a young man or a young woman who have kids, like you pass that on to them. Or if your own children have children, and so, right? And I know that like, there's, you got to stay in your lane, right? Grandparents. But still, like we... Like as like as as your kids who are parents, like I, like I still need that. I mean, maybe not as much today because like my kids are are getting old enough where they're you know they're pretty close to perfect. But um, no, like they don't need a lot of like I'm still instilling into my children the the truth of the word. But in terms of like man, mom, how do I discipline my kid in this way? I don't you know I don't need that anymore. But like, I'm still leaning on mom and dad. So like your job's not done, grandpa, grandma. Just understand that that if if I, I believe in my heart, if, if we forsake these things, then you know we're gonna have fallout. We're, we're gonna have a culture, and we're gonna have generations to come that 
They don't seek the ways of the Lord. They don't desire to follow, follow after the commands that we see throughout Scripture. We make compromise after compromise in culture. Let me pray. Father God, just thank You so much for, again, Your Word and all that it holds for us. I pray, Father, that we would take these truths and that we would be diligent in applying them to our own lives. And we, if we feel like that, that we're ill-equipped for that in some way, that first we would just desire, Lord, to lean that much further into You and into Your Word, but also that we would know that, that You've given us this body. We can lean into that. We can use that as a source of support and strength and encouragement. So Father, bind us that much closer together that we would be one body functioning with many parts and that we would strive to encourage and press one another on into greater righteousness and that includes the way that we parent. Help us to see clearly, Lord, the the roles that You have given us, the ways that You've desired for us to function in these specific roles, that we wouldn't shirk away from those things or push back on them too hard because they don't settle well with us, but that we would see from Your Word whether or not they're true, and if they are, even if we don't like them, that we would desire to apply those things to our lives. And help us to see the times and places that we've done that in our life and help us to confess that to You and to hand that over to You and to, to just ask You to come and work and move in our lives. And above all, Lord, help us individually just to have such a strong desire, Lord, to, to be so committed to You that we would seek You out in our own lives and to follow after You so that we can pass that on. Encourage us in that, Lord. Equip us in that. And Father, it's all for You. For Your glory. We ask all this in Christ's name. Amen.